Why, hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Orange Juice Optional. Hi, Suzanne. How are you? Good. How are you, Michelle? I'm doing good. My liver is not doing as good, but <laughs> that's understandable just coming off a five-day trip to Napa. I agree. I feel your pain. Yes. Literally. So I do. <laughs> I know you do. I have to ask. Have you had a glass of wine since you've returned home, which has been about two days now? Yes, I had. I've had actually one glass and just not that interested in it. So I'm sure I'll get my taste back for it. I'm sure we will. So can we talk a little bit about Napa? Because I made some interesting observations there and I think you guys made them also. Okay, let's go for it. Okay, so... Rob and I, I think I've shared this before, we got married in Sonoma about 17 years ago, which is part of the Napa Valley. And at that time, we were, of course, we're 17 years younger, and we could fit five to eight wine tastings in a day, where you could walk into the tasting room, have a quick taste, move on to the next one. And... I still feel even at that time, that was an aggressive approach, but that is what we could do. Mm -hmm. And on this right. trip, I found that two tastings a day, two different wine wineries visited was mm -hmm. pushing it. And I know a couple of days we got three in, but I'm just surprised by how things have swung with age and time. Well, I'm not going to just bl blame age. <laughs> I no, I'm not Napa, either. I, I threw in the word and yeah. time. Right. And I just think Napa has changed their business model, basically, as Jeff would put it. You know, and I remember even, I don't know how many years ago, it's the first time I went to Napa, but I remember the same thing, that we rarely had an appointment oh, let's pull in here and see what we can taste. And when you're on that schedule, um, yeah, you pull in, you, you do a tasting, sometimes you get a tour, sometimes you don't, and then you're off to the next one. And yeah, I would say five or six in a day was typical or could be typical. And yeah, it's just not like that anymore. Just not even close. Right, because it is a real experience. And I want to put out there, first thing, that while we were in Napa, all four of the days that we went outside of the city of Napa, when you and Jeff were there, mm -hmm. we did have a driver. So none of us were driving after these tastings. And a very... Oh, right. Right. A very wonderful service that they also offer is they will set up, their concierge will set up the tour for you on that day. So mm -hmm. they know the Napa Valley best. They know where everything's located. They know the timing. And so they put together this tour. And on every day of the tour, she had set up three different places to visit. And on three of four of those days, she set up places to eat, which was very nice because we needed food. Mm -hmm. But when you show up at the location, it's not a simple like, okay, here are the four you're going to taste and one ounce pours. Oh, no. 
here's your first wine that you're going to taste. And it's like a three ounce pour. And then they bring in the second and the third and the fourth, and then they revisit and then they go to their library and pull something special out. And then they pour that too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, after the first winery, I mean, for me, I've consumed more wine than I would in a typical day. Oh, hands down in one winery. And I think you're being conservative when you say some of them were three ounce pours, they were more like four or five ounce pours, which makes a difference, makes a huge difference when you're tasting five wines in the same winery, because all of a sudden you're a bottle in before you leave there. And as you were describing how we hired this service to um, schedule everything, maybe you still have the opportunity to walk into some of the more commercial, that's what I'm looking for, commercial wineries where you don't have an appointment and and maybe the experience is different where you're going to get a one ounce pour or two ounce pour, you know, and you're going to taste three wines instead of five wines. So that could be where the difference lies. But yeah, it was unbelievable to me that, and great experiences, but the ex experience has also changed. You know, there's a, even the last time we went to Napa, together and we had scheduled appointments there was a lot of walking involved there was a lot you know they'd take us to the caves they'd take us to the um where they store the wine they'd take us to the vineyard a lot of times you know a lot of things going on this time you sit in a chair they bring the wine it's usually a lovely setting but you do nothing but taste wine <laughs> and it's it's definitely different than it used to be Right. And at the very first winery we went to, and I won't say the name, but we did get a little tour mm -hmm. and you weren't very happy with what you found in the storage well, area. God, right. Well, you go into this spotlessly clean and every winery talks about how cleanliness is so important. They had barrels. Was it in the barrel room and not the stainless room? It was in the barrel room. I think there were barrels on one side and then the stainless on the other. So it was kind of an all-inclusive right. Yes. And why in God's name, right in the middle of the separation of barrels and stainless, and you have this huge wide open space, would there be a mouse trap with a dead mouse in it? I mean, why I would they do that? Know. Why would you put that mouse trap right smack dab in the middle of the room? Why not hide that mouse trap behind the barrels or behind the stainless steel things and make us feel like it's, it was unbelievable. And yeah, and as soon as I saw that mouse, I didn't hear another word that anyone said. It's like, get me out of this room now. Right, and it, maybe the mouse trap started behind the barrel, but it was a fighter mouse and it just <laughs> moved the trap to the middle of the floor. But right. you would think, that they would do a walkthrough yeah. before they brought people through. Exactly. It's like, okay, does nobody see this dead mouse caught in a mouse trap in the middle of the floor? I mean, it, yeah, it was. Well, I must disarming. admit that I did not see it because I wasn't looking down when I walked over to the the barrels at first. And I could have very easily stepped on it and then i hear rob say oh there's a dead mouse and then i couldn't look that direction because i'm like oh yeah <laughs> so 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I didn't see it when we first walked in either because they had a really cool barrel that they had imported or had handmade in Italy or somewhere. Like I said, I lost track of the conversation. So I could have easily stepped on that mouse too. And then it wasn't until I turned around and I looked down that I saw it. And it's like, how can that be in the middle of the room? It's so stupid. It really is. But we do know we're in the middle of Napa and there's a lot of fields. So mice do exist. It's just, I don't want to see one when I walk into a barrel room. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's like the guy in New Mexico when we went to New Mexico at that very nice resort. And I had bats in in our room. I mean, I didn't actually have a bat in my room, but there were bat droppings. The room was disgusting. And when the guy came, when I complained and the guy came in and he said, well, we are in the desert. There are bats in the desert. It's like, no. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I want them in my room. Excuse I get me. that. Yeah. Same thing. It's like, keep the mice outside. I get there in the fields. That's fine. But anyway, sorry. So you, you didn't hear Rob say when we then went back to sit on the porch, oh, there goes a live one. You didn't hear him say that. I didn't say hear him say that at the time. He repeated it after we were safely in the vehicle going to our next stop. And I was like, of course there was. It's like, hmm, ever heard of exterminators? Exactly. <laughs> but their wine was very good. And I think that this new business model Ed, Rob, and I were talking about this yesterday is really to get people there enjoying the experience. You know, knowing that the more wine they drink, the more money they're going to spend. And I will tell you that, as you all know from last week's episode, Rob and I decided to drive there. Our car was full of wine when we left because mm -hmm. I got very comfortable at many wineries and I kind of lost track. And I will say this right now, in all the years I've been going to Napa, Sonoma, I have never drank in a way that I got sick that night. But on that particular day, mm -hmm. on that first day, where the experience was so different, mm -hmm. and they were bringing out so many wines. And then at our second winery, I'll just throw this in real quick. They brought out mm -hmm. port, which I don't even like port. But I bought four bottles because I was having so much fun drinking it. <laughs> but then I would go and grab their like sparkling and I would drink that afterwards. And then we had a third tasting on that day, which I think only two days we did three. I think only two days we made it to all three. The other days we canceled one of them. Right, I but, agree. Yeah. Um, the last stop, which I felt really bad about because we were all wined out by mm. then. He brought out all the champagne. So then I drank champagne, which I think right. the combination of that, and that was the day we didn't have a lunch. I It just was not a good combination. Right. So. I got very right. sick that night. Well, yeah. And several of the wineries said you'll be tasting it. I mean, it was in print where it said you'll be four different wines today, um, two ounce pours each, which adds up to eight ounces. And I don't think we had one winery that poured a two ounce pour. And they were very generous in their revisits where they top you off and give you a little more. 
And I think you're right. I think it's that business model probably brings in a lot more money than giving the tour of the grounds and the property and going through the explanation of how the wine is made. And yeah, I think just sitting in a nice setting, drinking wine for an hour and a half, because that was the other thing. Every appointment was at least 90 minutes. And that's a long time when you have two more to go to that same day. It is because very often it would last longer than 90 minutes. So a very fun experience. And I think Jeff and you Mm -hmm. had a wonderful idea on how to approach Napa on future visits because Napa, St. Helena, Calistoga, they all have great shops too. So I'm just going to throw that in there before Mm -hmm. I say your model. But what y'all suggested Mm -hmm. was do tours the first and second day, then put a day in there Mm -hmm. for a break so you can go shopping Mm -hmm. or just relax, kick back, take a break from wine, and then to do two more days on the other end. So kind of split it up rather than just having four days in a row. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I call that middle day a detox day because you've had so much wine the first two days. By the third day, you're spent and yeah, and your body is spent. You wake up feeling milk. And so, but ironically, (laughs) Jeff and I said to each other, we've determined that the last two times before this time, that that's what we needed to do is wine day, day off, wine day, or two wine days, day off, two wine days, however, you know, long you're there. And it's like, okay, so why do we forget that every single time we go to Napa until we get there, until we have the appointments booked. It's like, we have to remember to do that because we say it every time we go. It's like, this is too much. We can't do it. And I have an and answer for that. sound like it was, yeah, go ahead. Well, the last time you said it was 2019. That was the last time we went to Napa. And then right. we had two years of COVID where we had other things on our mind. So we kind of forgot about that. But right. now it's fresh in our mind. And hopefully we don't forget about it moving forward. Oh, yeah. I'm going to put it in big red letters on my in my reminders. I know. <laughs> <off> in Napa. <laughs> and you know, we really didn't help ourselves because we knew we had a full day of wine tasting ahead of us. And we were smart enough to go get breakfast to put that base in there. But we started drinking at breakfast too with a mimosa. So we didn't help our cause at all. No. Well, and we always end our day with a great bottle of wine and a dinner. So yeah, we didn't help our cause at all. We kept our regular routine where we start with mimosas in the morning and end with a great bottle of wine at night. We just had all of that filler in between. That we did. But, you know, we did have a serendipitous moment also when we were there that we didn't even plan on or think about. But we were, of course, there over the 4th of July weekend. And it just so happens Mm -hmm. that Napa does a big firework display. And people started lining up early for that. There were people sitting out at five o'clock with their kids on the grass waiting for this firework show at 930. And I'm not a big crowd person, so I was willing not to even watch the fireworks. However, by some stroke of luck, we got a room that faced where the fireworks were. So we got to sit on the balcony and watch fireworks, have a 
Well, some of you had a Sambuca. I didn't have anything from our balcony. <laughs> so we didn't have the crowds. It was just really a wonderful moment. The display was beautiful. And yeah, I love that moment. Mm -hmm. It was great. And Napa really did their 4th of July celebration well. We missed the parade, but I love those 4th of July celebrations that small towns do where they have the local parade. And Napa does, I kept having to remind myself that yes, we are in California. And yes, we are in a, a big money-making community. Uh, because of course, every small town I go to, I find the perfect place to put my shop. If I, in my fantasy world, if I were ever going to open another shop, oh, this would be the perfect little town for my shop. And I always have to remind myself that in Napa, you know, the rent is probably really high. You don't feel like you're in a, a big city or, or a expensive city you it feels like small town and so then when it's fourth of july and they have the parade and they have a concert in the park and they end the day with their fireworks display ugh, love that love 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 that yeah it was so much fun we were so blessed to get to see that and i just if i could put my vote in i think that weekend is the perfect time to go to napa for future visits. I absolutely agree. It was it was a great weekend and 4th of July, so much fun. Definitely. And you had so much fun and this isn't the reason you decided to do it, but you and Jeff did end up deciding to drive back to Scottsdale rather than fly back. We did. And, and the writing yes. was on the wall. As we know, Flights have been nightmares. Flights are getting canceled. We had a late afternoon flight. I had to be back at the store the next day. And it was like, I can't risk it. We've got to drive. And we had stocked up on wine. So we didn't really want to ship wine either. So we were we took our rental car, put all of our wine in the car and drove. And it was it. <laughs> It would have been about 11 and a half to 12 hour drive, but we did stop like every two to three hours we stopped and we switched drivers, you know, stretched our legs. So we really took our time and it took about 13 hours. And you did it all in one day. Yes, we did. We weren't sure we were going to, but like I said, I had a goal to get back so I could get to the store. And we thought, well, if we have to, we'll overnight somewhere and split it up but we didn't have to it was we got an early start and it was smooth sailing the whole way and no issues and yeah so it was actually a great drive and I just really wanted to share this because it's kind of inspired my thought uh, for the rest of this podcast although we're almost out of time talking about Napa but anyhow I know you know when Rob and I did the drive back to Havasu it took us another route and I just want to say which was really cool because it took me through Walnut Creek and Dublin, which is where I was born and where I used to live, which I wasn't planning on visiting. And so I was very happy that our directions took us that way. But we were balls to the wall. We left the hotel, got gas. We stopped halfway through, got gas, and we drove. We didn't stop. We drove the rest of the way. We didn't stop for food. We didn't stop to stretch. Well, Rob stopped once to use the restroom at a rest area, but that's all. Uh, we were just mm -hmm. to get it to to get back home. That was our goal. 
we're good. And by the time we got back home, we were so exhausted. We were so incredibly tired, cranky, hungry. And I just was feeling, I don't even, a little, I don't even know what the right word is, but not very, (laughs) very good. I wasn't feeling good. And then you get home like four hours later because your trip was longer, obviously Scottsdale's further away. And I said, oh, that must have been such a long day. And what you said was, but it was a good day. And you took the total positive spin on what was a long day. And I really appreciated that. And so I thought maybe a good topic would be talking about finding the positive in all situations in life, finding that silver lining or the bright side. I agree. Although that being said, I didn't have to dig very deep to tell it because it truly was a good day. You know, if anything had gone wrong, if anything had slowed us down, I wouldn't have been able to take that spin. It's not like I seek out that silver lining. It just happened to be that way that day. And I was still swearing at cars that were driving slow that I had to get behind and on the drive. And I am still an impatient driver, but it was a good day. And Jeff and I enjoyed each other. We had a lot of time for conversation. And yeah, it was. It was a great day. Well, your positive attitude at the end of the day is really what I needed to hear because then I'm like, buck up, little camper. (laughs) Your drive wasn't even that long and you're being grouch about it. Well, I do have to ask just because when you think of whether or not you're an optimist or a pessimist, when you see a glass, do you see it half full or half empty? Oh my God, we've had, Jeff and I have had so many conversations about this and I prefer the word realist to pessimist. (laughs) I like that too. That might give you a hint. Yeah, that might give you a hint of what I am. (laughs) Jeff is the ultimate optimist. He sees everything through rose-colored glasses, which, and I'm the exact opposite. So it's been very good for me in my adult life to have his influence because I think it does help me see things a little bit differently, or at least try to see things differently. But I am a half empty, absolutely. But I know you're a half full. Would I be right? Well, when it comes to the glass, I do see it half empty. I do, but I really try to take a positive approach to my outlook on life and find that silver lining and find something good about a situation. What I hear you saying is that you are a pessimist who is working very hard to be an optimist. That would be fair. And I will. Yes, that's fair. And I would say that my husband, like when he makes a suggestion to me, or he says, we need to do this, my first response might be like, well, we can't do that. Like that would require changing everything else rather than taking a moment of pause, taking a deep breath, and then saying, well, what does that look like to you or something? So he does think I'm a negative person just in my responses to what he says, if that makes sense. Interesting. That is very interesting. So what is Rob? Is he half full or half empty? I think he's more of a half full kind of guy. I think he tries to find the silver lining and things. But, you know, it could be a balance there because there's other things where he just can't even. 
Right. My daughter once, this was years and years ago, she had a really, one of her best friends in high school was, <laughs> she described her once, this friend had had a rough childhood, really rough childhood. And Katie said to me once, I, that she was her soulmate, that they, they just thought alike. And she said, for example, this friend's house could be burning down. And she would look up in the sky and say, but it's such a nice day today. <laughs> and I loved that description of an optimist. And that is who my daughter is too. I, her house could be burning down and she would come outside and say, oh, but it's such a beautiful day. <laughs> and it's like, oh, to have some of that in my DNA. <laughs> You know, it's just not there for me. And she definitely gets that optimism from Jeff. Okay. Where it's, it's me falling apart around me and it's a beautiful day. Well, I think that you just led to a quiz. Like your description of yourself oh. has brought on this quiz to see exactly mm -hmm. how positive or negative you are. So I did find a quiz on or how, re how realistic I am. <laughs> Let's okay. Be clear. I don't think of it as negative. I think of it as realistic. Fair enough. So I found okay. this quiz on brilliantstarmagazine.org and it's called How Do You See the World? It has a wonderful blurb introducing it, but I don't think I have time to read it all. So please go to their website and find it there because it is a really good um, description of things. But I'm going to start this quiz and we'll see how realistic you are. Or, okay. Thank okay. You. So here's the first question. I like to try new activities, hobbies, and sports. Now your options are, yes, it's fun to try new stuff sometimes, or not really, I stick with what I know. I stick with what I know. I do try new things. I just don't necessarily want to try new things. Of course, you're going to argue. I'm usually kicked into it. <laughs> yeah, of course, I'm going to argue. Okay, what's your answer? I said, I stick with what I know, because I'm a perfectionist. Okay. And if I can't do it perfectly, I don't want to try. So, okay. Okay. Question number two. When I have a challenge or setback, I think about what tools or support I have to help me. Do you do that most of the time, once in a while, or almost never? Did you hear me snicker when you read that question? I did not. Um, well, there was a little bit of a snicker. I probably kept it to myself. Um, no, I try to handle everything myself. I don't look for tools or support. Okay, so almost never. <laughs> you might be on the track to a negative you? thinker. <laughs> yeah. What about you? I would think when I have a challenge or setback, I would say most of the time I do. I was going to say, I would agree with that. I think you know how to seek out what you need to. Okay, question number three. I try to enjoy the present moment and appreciate the people around me. And your choices are not really, sometimes, if I remember, or almost always. Well, yeah, 
sometimes if I remember, the problem is it's I usually don't remember, but I'm going to give myself a sometimes if I remember. Okay. I would guess that you would give yourself a almost always, because you always talk about living in the moment. Yes, I would. That's how I would answer that question. Okay. Question number four. If I'm scared or nervous, I have faith that I'll be able to make it through the challenge. Is that often, almost never, or sometimes? Sometimes. And I have to, I do have to intercede here. I know we're short on time, but I'm just saying there was a moment in time when my dad died that I was very nervous about a health issue I was having. And when my dad, we he had to go to the emergency room. It was one of those very sudden onset things. And I remember going into his hospital room and seeing him like I've never seen him before. Again, like I said, a couple days before he died. And <laughs> I remember thinking, okay, if I can handle this, <laughs> I can live through anything. And that was kind of that one of those aha moments where it's like, okay, you don't need to spend so much time being nervous or scared about something because you can handle it. <laughs> and that was a turning point in my life. And so now I live by, I can handle it. So, okay, so what's your answer? <laughs> my answer is often because the way I look at it is I'm still standing today, so I have made it through everything, so I know I will make it through challenges that come at me somehow. It might not be pretty. Right. It might take its toll, right. but I'll make it. Right. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so question number five. If I start to feel down, I talk to family and friends about my feelings. Oh, you need the options, sorry. I was thinking about my answer. <laughs> Okay, so the options are rarely, once in a while, yes, because they're super helpful. I would say once in a while, but I usually don't get what I'm looking for. That's fair enough. I would be somewhere between rarely and once in a while, so I guess I would have to go once in a while. Mm -hmm. I don't like to share my deep, deep feelings very often. And if I do, I really trust you and I love you, so just saying. Okay. Right. Question right. six. I go out of my way to praise others. The options are yes, as much as I can, hardly ever, or sometimes. Okay. Well, I have to say sometimes on this one, but this is something I work very hard at because my instinct would be hardly ever. And I have to work at giving people praise. And I don't know why that is, but so I have to go with sometimes. And I find myself between yes, as much as I can and sometimes. So I guess to be fair, I would go with sometimes also. Okay, next question. Right. I disagree with that. I think you are more of a yes, whenever I can. I try to. I try to look for something positive to say about everybody so I can leave them with a smile because I yes. really do believe that kindness is contagious. It could change yep, a day. I agree. Okay. Question seven. When I think about my future, I'm hopeful and excited. And the options are sometimes, not really, it's kind of scary, or yes, anything could happen. 
<laughs> okay, well, yes, anything could happen. It's kind of scary. <laughs> so <laughs> that's one of those questions that it has a domino effect. It's like, well, so I don't have an answer for that one. Well, you have to come up with an answer. So do you want me just to put sometimes like that more neutral answer? Yeah, I'll take the neutral. Okay. I would probably go sometimes also because yeah, I certainly <laughs> don't be dread the future. Yeah, I don't dread the future. I get impatient sometimes. It's like, oh, all these fun things are coming up. Hurry it up. But then I don't want it to hurry up because then I'm getting older and time's going too mm -hmm. fast. So right. I'll stick with sometimes. Okay. Question eight. When I have trouble with something I really want to do, I keep striving and learning. And the choices are, yep, I really try to persevere sometimes or not really, why bother? Not really, why bother? Okay, that's fair enough. Because I was reading that question and if I get overwhelmed, like it's giving me so much trouble that I'm overwhelmed, I will just be like, why bother? But if it's something I think I can work through, I mm -hmm. will. So I probably go sometimes. Okay, okay. number nine. I believe hard work and support will help me accomplish my goals. And the choices are absolutely, sort of, or nope. Hard work and support. How can you lump some that in the same question? Two I'm totally not... different topics. Hard work, yes. Support, no. <laughs> I know you didn't write the quiz. I'm not, I'm not lashing out at you. I'm lashing out at the quiz. Hard work and support are two separate questions, two separate things. Yeah, if you hard work it, if you do hard work, it'll help you get to your goal, but you could do it with or without support. Well, that is true, but I can't rewrite the quiz or, okay, I could just take the I word get support it. out. I get I'll it. just say, I believe hard work will help me accomplish my goals. We'll just take out the support part. Absolutely, sort of. Yes. Nope. Okay. Go absolutely. Yes. And I agree with that. Um, when I think about the past, I picture my successes more than my failures. Yeah, that's a tough one. Sometimes, Ooh, almost always, or almost never. <sighs> that is a hard, that's a hard one to admit because I'm going to say almost never. I would say that about myself also because I think the hardest lessons are the, the ones <laughs> that come with uh, failures. So I would do mm -hmm. almost never too. Okay. So I think there's just two more questions. Um, number 11, I remember that frustration and problems are part of life and they can make us stronger. The choices are often, mm -hmm. everybody has challenges sometimes if I remember or rarely. I would say often everybody sometimes. has challenges. Okay. Sometimes for you. Okay. Yeah. Question 12, when I make a mistake, I can learn from it and laugh at myself. The options are most of the time, almost never, once in a while. Once in a while. Okay. And I probably would say when I make a mistake, I will, I can learn from it. I truly believe in that. And I will laugh at myself at some point. It might not be right away, but I, I can find humor in it at some mm -hmm. point. So I would say most of the time. Okay. Okay. So, first of all, well, should I give you your score first and then uh, <laughs> read what it yes. says about that and then give you the other options? Yeah, read my score and tell me what it says. 
Okay, again, this is from brilliantstarmagazine.org, and your score on this quiz was a 21 out of 36. And this is what it says. If you scored between 20 and 12 points, you're partially positive. Check out, well, then it just says, check out our tips for positive thinking by clicking the button below. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. I got a 28 out of 36. So I, you were one point away from the next category, and I was one point away from the category above. But oh. I got you're pretty positive, and you usually see the good. Build your positivity skills by clicking the button below. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you scored yeah. between 36 and 29 points, you're positively pumped. Keep concentrating on the goodness and opportunities around you. And for more ideas, click the button below. So there you have it. You were on the okay. higher side of being kind of like kind of, how do I put Real. it? You, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say, okay. but that's where you scored. And if any of the listeners out there would like to take the quiz themselves, I will put it in the show notes and you can take it there and then you can click below. So I should really click below, but we really didn't have time for it. But anyhow, that was yeah, a lot yeah. today. Well, it was a lot. And I was going to say, if you clicked below, then you'd have to put in all your information and you get sucked into some website. So yeah, don't click below. Okay. Well, it's really cute. I did click below, but I'm not going to go into it. It just is a little comic where oh. it set shows one person thinking in a more negative or realist. I oh. don't know which one is which and one thinking more positive. So and just how the wording of that can affect your mood, which is true. Okay. It's all yeah. in the outlook. Well, Suzanne, thank you for going to Napa with me. And it was a really fun trip. It was and very thank fun. you also for being my podcast partner. I feel very blessed every week that we can sit down and chat about anything. It's, yep. It's very fun. And we have some great topics coming up. We talked about them in Napa. Yeah, even the guys got involved. Like we had some really good dinner conversations <laughs> and good topics generated by our husbands. And by the wine we drank, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure that influenced it a little bit. So before yeah. we go more into that, yeah. I'm just going to say with all that shared, cheers, everyone. Have a good week. Cheers. <laughs>